With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I'm on my way over here, and I'm just I'm driving. It's dry out. Unfortunately, not dry enough to get the lotus out, as I wished. I was but it's kind of warm and dry. I mean, my, it is nice. My it's driveway is still day. a disaster, by the way. <laughs> but but it's slowly melting off. So I'm I'm working on that. You problem need like just I, line with boards in you know something in the tracks of the tires. Totally. Line so yeah, there's lots of things that I'm, I'm thinking about doing to solve that problem because the lotus needs to be driven. But I'm over, working my way over here in the Phaeton, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I you know as I've mentioned before, the steering wheel won't go up anymore. The, the motor's broken. Yeah, the, the adjustment So I can't broken, see yeah. the top of the gauge. Yeah. And I'm cruising along, and it feels very normal. And I look down as I pass somebody. I look down, I'm doing 95. <laughs> You're kidding me. Like, oh, um, hmm. That this car hides, hides speed. speed a little bit. I didn't really mean wow. to be doing nearly a daily triple. Just, just commuting over here. It was no big deal. Wow. That thing is a train. I'm working That's on a very awesome. cool piece that is the Comparo piece. You and I each did our individual piece mm-hmm. of yep. those sedans. Yep. Yep. We've put them against two new sedans on television. Now I'm making a piece for YouTube exclusively that is just you and I talking about those sedans in comparison to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And what's interesting yeah. is the way the pieces come together really organically. You spend more time talking about the Phaeton, and I spend more time talking about the Maserati. Well, it so was it's pretty actually, well balanced. That particular shoot was the first time you'd ever driven the Maserati. Yes, absolutely. I'd driven Phaetons a handful of times, uh-huh. but the, the first real time that I had a headspace of mm-hmm. reviewing the car and driving it for that, comparing it to the Maserati. So mm-hmm. I think it was really organic, like you said. I it's, think it, it's, it's, very it's come fun. together nice. It's going to be a very cool piece. That's very cool. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. Season six, episode six, Winter Sports Cars is coming out tomorrow. It's, it's a really is, fun episode. This is the new MX-5 yeah. Miata RS in the snow and so this is the whole concept is can you drive your sports car year round can Mm -hmm. you drive your sports car in winter tires and can it do the same kinds of things as Mm -hmm. the car we know you should have in the winter which is an suv of course any Mm -hmm. all-wheel drive anything that's what can it do the same kind of things what are the limitations there's no empirical testing here or evidence we did some of our own tests we hope you enjoy please send us feedback on social media hopefully Mm -hmm. you like that episode and then uh, a lot of stuff is happening directed towards Amazon Prime here soon, right? You know, everything, here's the thing. Half the season has been sent to Amazon Prime, and they are genuinely weeks behind on getting through the content that's been sent to them and getting it up. So I have weeks ago sent half the season over. The next half is waiting. As soon as this half goes live, the next half will, will launch. Uh, I'm doing what I can. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the first yeah. four episodes of the season are now available on Vimeo. Some of you are watching it there, and the remaining couple will come very soon. So it's, it's all coming out. I'm sorry about the fact that it isn't as fast as I hoped, but it is kind of out of our hands at this point a little bit. Uh, thank you guys for responding, and really appreciate all of you that are watching on the Motor Trend Cable channel because that Nielsen number does matter to us. Mm-hmm. And yes, if you it DVR does. it, it still counts, and we appreciate all of that. All right, so as you all know, the GR Yaris from Toyota has been announced. Mm-hmm. It's not yet available worldwide. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's some announcement and some rumors going on of a GR Corolla. And then as of this recording, Toyota just made the announcement about the revisions to mm-hmm. their Supra. So they announced it at their Daytona race facility there, and they announced the 2-liter. It's the 255-horsepower uh-huh. uh-huh. four-cylinder with twice as much torque as an 86. This was my question, because I was very curious, and they put it on their own information. I was very curious of how it compared, because let's be honest, we're talking about a car that theoretically would step directly on the 86. Mm -hmm. Another two-liter sports car in the Toyota lineup, rear-wheel drive, front engine, what are you doing? But I expect this will be, they haven't said yet, to my knowledge, about prices. I but don't think they've made that announcement I expect since, yet, no. the, since the inline six is 50 to 55, I expect this will be 40 to 45, maybe 45 to 50. So it is at least 10 grand above where the 86 lives. What I think is interesting is they're talking about this car weighing about 3,200 pounds, which puts it about 400, 450 pounds heavier than the 86. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it has twice... The torque. I mean, the reason is they've given it the turbo. The 86 doesn't have the turbo. Yes. So twice as Turbos much give torque. you torque. Yes. For sure. So for 295 sure. pound-feet of torque is what they're saying. 
we are hoping to drive that soon and have this entire discussion. But we do have a piece coming up mm. soon to talk about the sibling rivalry between the Super and the 86, so that's coming as well. Yeah, so what else they, did they announce? Well, they just actually kind of admitted to the power that the Super already makes. And so now the, the <laughs> output for the yeah. new three-liter Super, the six-cylinder, matches the BMW Z4. Mm-hmm. So 382 mm-hmm. horsepower, so everything matches now. But we still think that car makes even more power. We still kind of think they're sandbagging us a little bit because the car we drove drove for TV was yep. dynoed by the owner and he was consistently getting over 400. Yep. So, yep. and he has a race shop. He's dynoed a yep. couple times before. Yeah, yep. He has. So that's all interesting. And so now the launch edition of the super is gone, which means the a 91 edition is in its place. They've actually upgraded the infotainment screen. They've done a few other things actually to the car itself. And apparently it's just even better which we're excited about. It makes, you know, the admitted amount of power now. Yeah, and it yeah, comes yeah. in two different colors. So this really cool refraction blue, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, a black. So more carbon splitter goodness and a lot of goodies. But then they also announced the Supra GT4 available for sale to private mm-hmm. teams. This is not like, you know, GT4 other <clears throat> manufacturers that we know offer GT4s. Porsche. But it's for sale under $200,000. Four hundred and thirty horsepower and under three thousand pounds. So this is a genuine competitor. I love this, and it's going to be available August twenty twenty, something like that. And at this particular launch event, they're taking orders. It's not like hey, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to come out. No, they're taking orders now to start building the cars. What what I'm fascinated by, and we we just came off a Toyota press launch. We were in Park City here mm-hmm. in our local town. They brought everybody, and it, it's very bizarre to have a press launch in your own town. So we, we got to be a part of that. It was very, very cool. We've got videos coming. It was the all-wheel drive Camry, mm-hmm. which I know is woohoo, exciting, but but we enjoyed ourselves covering that, also covering the new Highlander. We've got videos of both of those coming in the next week or so. There were events around it. It's very snowy here. It's perfect time to do all-wheel drive something. But we just got done dealing with the Toyota folks and, and having great time with them. And what's fascinating is this Gazoo Racing. Mm-hmm. That has, is a running thread through Toyota right now. It's just they, they kind of are over in the corner. It's like what AMG did when they finally got absorbed into, into Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, right, They're right. over in the corner going, we can play with that one too. Mm-hmm. They're looking at everything. It's fascinating. For sure. Well, there's a question from Benzin217 saying, with Toyota gazooing all over everything, which other brand would we like to see do the same thing and which models would we like to you know, have the gazoo-like spec? Well, the 86, but I think this two-liter super announcement means the 86 will never have a turbo from the factory. Interesting point. Because if they did, mm-hmm. it'll now make this four-cylinder. It'll yeah. now make the same power and torque as the Supra. Hopefully, they'll keep it lightweight, inexpensive, and if it stays naturally aspirated, they'll just solve the torque dip. If, if the current 86 mm-hmm. had no torque dip and, let's say, 200 pound-feet of torque, mm-hmm. none of us would complain. Yeah. We just wouldn't. Well, Benzin, to answer your question, the company is Mazda. I'd like to see them start doing yes. their Mazda speed thing again because Hyundais come with a bang with the N mm-hmm. versions of mm-hmm. everything. Now, Supra, now Toyota in general is a company is doing GR and TRD to almost everything. Yep, yep, yep. They're bringing the noise. That's That's very good. And meanwhile, Ford has sort of slunk off quietly into the night with Mm. SUVs and the Mustang for everyone. Yep. Or the Mustang SUV, if you'd like as well. Yeah, right. But I agree. Mazda has a history in this. Where's the Mazda Speed 3 again? Mm -hmm. Where's the Mazda Speed 6 and the Miata? That's the company. That is the company. All right, so a bit of other news from Hyundai, who has announced they are partnering with Canoe for an electric vehicle skateboard platform. Yay. Uh, yay? Yay? Right, so uh, Canoe... Is this good news? Well, Canoe was the offshoot of Faraday Future. The, the head of design left Faraday along with some other investors. And and everyone else that left. After one, they yeah, didn't all go together, else. but they all left, yes. It's a box on wheels. Mm-hmm. It's not a stylish box. No. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the name. And so I went digging. Uh-oh. And as a matter of fact, Stefan Krauss, the chairman of Canoe, says that they picked that name because it sounds distinctive. And I'm quoting here, it looks cool and creates a feeling of relaxation and movement. He said, for thousands of okay. years, a canoe has been a simple, sustainable transportation device used all over the world. Okay, uh, fair enough. I, <laughs> I, I'm waiting to see where you're going with this. I don't think it's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little rant coming on here. Mm. Okay. Because of internet company names, we're, we're misspelling things, we're dropping consonants. These four companies are actual companies, Nurks, Noom, Zola, and Tackle. Those are actual <laughs> companies that exist and do business. Mm-hmm. And we just dropped consonants, we misspelled things, what? and suddenly we've got an internet company. By the way, when did consonants become bad? 
I don't know. Uh, actually, no, sorry. It's not consonants. It's vowels. Well, it's, it, okay, sorry, vowels. It's vowels. Yes. If you would like to have, if we wanted to really be, be hip, we would drop all the vowels of everyday driver. Well, as a matter of fact, we'd be, we'd be ver, <clears throat> Verdi, Verdi, Driver, Verdi, Driver. I, I, I went after um, and looked at an internet company name generator, and I, I typed in our name. Did you really? And among the gold that it produced, oh, no. some of my favorites include Bupplevery Day Driver, Unclevery Day Driver, Everyday Driver Biffy, Everyday Driver Gent, <laughs> Everyday Driver Gent, Everyday Driver Belizer, even better, We're, and Everyday better Driver better. Bomaniac. Oh my gosh. These are all actual I mean, we're suddenly cool. If we just dropped all the vowels, that's actually how we'd be cool. Well, if if Mr. Krause's sort of ethos uh-huh. about the company canoe means, you know, this is where everything's going, the new electric car company names coming our way include Kayak, Dugout, Dinghy, Sloop, Scow, Roboke, <laughs> and Raft. Not to mention I was Skiff, Lifeboat, and Gondola. You know that efficient Chinese sailing ship? Used by traders throughout Southeast Asia mm. for centuries. Mm. Why not just call your new electric car company Junk? Yep, exactly. <laughs> so think you'd go there. <laughs> With I a drive, capital J. I drive a Junk. It's far catchier and more memorable. I agree. Junk. Nissan had the Juke. Can we just embrace it and go the Nissan Junk? It's the new EV. Canoe? So your new electric platform will be based on a canoe. Awesome. This Perfect. is where we've gone, people. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Man has left the canoe only to return... <laughs> Didn't we move beyond this? I thought we were past that. I thought we drove cars. We're going to have an electric car called Horse. Good. We did Horse. You know horse. that's... We did Horse. Can horse you was carriage. Leave, leave some vowels just, out. You just leave the vowel out. <laughs> you just leave You leave the O out Her, of the middle. Hers. Horse. Hers. Yeah, it's just eight. It's eight. You leave the E because you got you to have some reference, but you leave. You take the O out. So it's H-R-S-E. Hers. Hers. <laughs> it's a horse. Anyway, or if you really wanted to be cool, you leave a space. Oh, it's H underscore. Anyway, the, the, but the point is here. Hearse, we, we had, that's we had, not good. We had, no, no, don't do hearse. We had horse, horseless carriage, car, and we'll go back to horse. Mm-hmm. And then, because we've already got canoe, problem solved. <laughs> this is where problem we're Problem solved, now. yeah. Welcome to the future, everybody. We've got a couple of great car debates. First from Kurt, who asks if family cars need to have four doors. Nope. This Next. question has never been asked. <laughs> no, they do not. Moving All right. On. Thanks for listening. Swipe. Just kidding. Short podcast. We've also got Derek D. in Charlotte, North Carolina, who thinks that his next door neighbor is the owner of Spot the Mini. Evan. That's pretty cool. That could be. There's only one 2005 Mini with a meatball on the door and hood. I'm pretty sure. Right? And, and, I, and I am pretty sure that still has an everyday driver sticker on the back, too, awesome. just to really bring it home. Yeah. Well, Derek has... Um, Taken the advice of his coworkers and now regrets listening to his coworkers about <laughs> okay, car great. choices. Good, good. When we're searching for cars for you, local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and then search them all at once. With Auto Tempest, you enter your search one time and see local or nationwide results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, Auto Trader, or Car Gurus without entering anything new. And they just added a link to Facebook Marketplace, too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. So if you're doing your drive homework, chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, head to autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. So let's dive in here to Kurt's car debate. He's writing because his main question is, says, does a family car require four doors? Mm-hmm. And he knows that you, Todd, have kids. And he says... Maybe it's a better question to ask. Is it reasonable to move the seats every time you need to get into the back seat? Sure, sure. All right, yeah. so here's his background. He and his wife plan to have kids in around two years. This is important information. Okay. She drives a 2017 CRV. He currently has a 2010 base Cayman and a recently acquired 2010 Exige. Very cool. You, my friend, have the everyday driver sports cars. You've got the two cars. <laughs> you, you own both the cars we own. That's a great point. It's a very, very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. He purchased the Exige mainly for track use, and he says the CRV might change into something in the future that can tow mm-hmm. probably the Exige yep, to the track. Sure. Yep. But he plans to swap the Cayman for a more family-oriented car. So that he owns one very focused car and another that actually has back seats. The mm-hmm. focused okay. car, I'm All guessing right. the Exige stays. Yes, clearly it does. Why, he just got, track car, why he's got that done. Right? Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. So 
You would think, you know, trading the Cayman for a 911 or a Mustang GT or GT350 or maybe an M2, but he's not sure if these are reasonable choices or not. Okay. All right. All right. He thinks that he would drive the family car to work most days, so he would like something very enjoyable. I like it. Okay. It's great. This is good. He says, I could just as easily drive an M3, a Cadillac ATS-V or Civic Type R, something like that, but those are all four-door cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, M3s, not necessarily. But he says, you know, his wife, who plans to stay at home, already owns a capable family vehicle. So the only time they would take the family car is when his wife is off on another errand, and it would just be he and his future child or children. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. So the question is, is he being selfish? Hmm. Is the extra space redundancy necessary in this case? Well, I um, actually, what made a big impression on me early, early childhood, I mean, I think I was three and I still remember my dad had an old like Buick two-door coupe. Mm. And I distinctly remember folding the seat to get in the back. Mm-hmm. I was, I don't think I was in a car seat. I don't think I was. We, we didn't have car seats. We were allowed to be, be dangerous and potentially No, die. we just rode on the parcel shelf and drank water from the hose. And, exactly. You know, it's just fine. And, and, there was, and there was the mom belt, the arm that comes out. Yes. The arm that comes out when she breaks hard. That I'll was, our, my that arm. was our, our seat belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, yeah, that made it a big impression on me. It was white and it was huge. And I went looking at Buick Skylark coupes and they're terrible. <laughs> but nevertheless, I remember getting, as a young kid, mm-hmm. my dad had a two-door. That mm-hmm. was his car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom had the four-door Buick, so they were you know, Buick people. Mm-hmm. So I think, first of all, the answer is no. It doesn't have to. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Now, I went digging for safety rules, and there's not necessarily a federal, I don't think this is a federal mandate, but kids under 13 need to be in the back seat because the NHTSA says the leading cause of death for kids between 1 and 13 is car accidents mm-hmm. and being in the front seat. So... You know, you see it, you can. There's car seats are, you know, we saw that guy who had the Lotus Elise with the car seat in the front. Yep. I, I did it. There's no back seat. So I that's did it. Yeah, the for only sure. place mm-hmm. you can. So I think, all right, not ideal, certainly, and especially for infants and, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. under 18 months, we'll say. That's, you know, you probably don't want them in the front seat. So could you get by and have to fold the seat? Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but what are the trade-offs? And you mm-hmm, as a parent, mm-hmm. what are you willing to trade off mm-hmm. between right. Right. your fun and you're looking forward to this? Because the question now is, you've already identified it. How many times will that child be riding in your car if you just take the family car? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Why can't you just keep on keeping on? Yep. Totally. I mean, you've already got the two that came in for the street, which is very fun, and then the Exige track car. It sounds like what you want to do is just kind of do the same thing with the next two cars, even mm-hmm. though I guess you're keeping the Exige. But, you know, yeah. I mean, you just kind of want that next experience. The so, family car and the more fun car for him. And the Exige is the outlier because yeah. it's the tra- full track car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes to the 911, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no real budget identified in here. But if you're looking at a Cayman, you're probably 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. You can pick up a 911 for that. Yes to E92 BMW M3s. Yeah. Well, the E94 door, if you wanted to go that route, but the E92, sure, why not? For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. How about a 1998 E36 M3 with 74,000 miles mm. for 25 grand? Oh, there you go. That's good. Perfect. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I like the M2. I like the Mustang. But what if you went to a Toyota 86? Yep. I did it. It was great for that. Yeah. I mean, your son was eight and between six and eight when you had that 86, right? No, he was more like uh, three and four. When we first got it, he was like when you four, first four, got like four when he, when we first got it. Yeah, yeah. And you took him in the back a lot, right? Took him all the time. Yeah. The the big thing was right about the time I sold it, he was almost big enough to start riding in the front seat. Let me. Well, I'll jump in in a second. Keep going. No, I mean I'm just looking at this as the evolution of the garage. You're asking mm-hmm. the same thing, but it ultimately comes down to your willingness to do that. The latch system is in the back of coupes. It's there. It's in the front of two doors. It's in the front of two doors. Absolutely. You can so, put it in a Miata. Yeah. You could. I mean, they have to consider that. Mm-hmm. So while I'm not saying go get a Miata for your infant child. <laughs> We're not saying that. That's true. Here's the other thing is two years from now, you said your wife and you are looking for kids for two years from now. Mm-hmm. It's two years away. Well, that means you're almost three years away from needing to transport said child. So yeah. why not just continue what you've got? Or if you just want a new experience, you want to. Get rid of the Cayman, mm-hmm. upgrade to the next Cayman, more power. I'm always about more power, but mm-hmm. how about a new experience entirely? That frees up your choices yeah. like crazy. Agreed, yeah. And then let's say it doesn't have a back seat and you keep it and you just, you know, your situation 
probably will change. Mm-hmm. It may change. It probably will change by then. Mm-hmm. And whatever tow vehicle that you get for the race car, mm-hmm. you could just use that all the time and see if you can get along. If you can't, all right, you've got to go to some cool four-door. All right, yeah, cool. For sure. That's all sure. good. But it sounds like what he's looking for is really just, I've had the Cayman. Love it. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the next fun car? But if he wants to keep that car, you know, if you keep cars long enough where you know that, okay, I probably won't be getting rid of this next car, so I kind of need to plan ahead mm-hmm. two years in advance, I do get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why not just go have another fun experience? You've done the Cayman. You've got the Exige. Let's replace the Cayman with something and go go to new. Go go get something else. Yeah. The auto RF with the turbo is pretty compelling. I it's have pretty to admit. Compelling. Yeah, Kurt, there's a lot of things here. There's a lot of kind of parental unpacking I want to do here for a second. I'm not going to go too long, but I want to talk about a few things. One of the big things, I want, I want to align with Paul on this. You said you're two years, it sounds like two years from being pregnant. Now, that assumes, <laughs> that assumes, by the way, look, let, let's get into reality. It's going here. on the calendar. We're getting pregnant here. That, then we're going to get this the car is the here. Thing. Some people say we're going to start trying and they're pregnant instantly. Sure. You might try for a year. True, true. Okay. So even if you get pregnant exactly when you quote unquote plan to, I've got that in huge air quotes because that never seems like you planned enough. Uh, two years from now, if you get pregnant instantly, you're still got, I mean, this is biology, another nine months after that. So almost three <laughs> years from now, you need this car. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know that you need to shop for it instantly, but I take your point, Paul. Maybe it's just the new experience thing. So let's align things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fine. But again, when my son was born and we first moved to – actually, when my son was born, I still had my 300ZX in Los Did Angeles. You really? Yes. And yeah, then I sold KDF it when we left. And the ZX? Mm-hmm. When we, when I, yep. When I first had, it, had him. But you never took him in the ZX, No, did of you? course not. But, but that's the thing. We just took the Acadia. Exactly. Uh-huh. We moved here. I got my Saab 92X. Right. And he rode in the back of that. Right. Okay? But most of the time, he rode in family Acadia. Right. And then right. when he was about th- – uh, no, he's about, he was about four. We got the 86, or the, the FRS, okay? I thought he now, was by that point, that for four, four or five, right around there, for sure. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, because Amazing. think about the fact that I've had the Elise three years already. You have? And he's 10. Unbelievable. So, you know, he was, he was right around five and we got it. So, the, the, big, the big thing here about the 2 plus 2, you absolutely can do it. Here's, I think the answer is yes. To here's that. the problem, though. It just depends on the car, right? By the time I had my 2 plus 2, I was, in, I was out of the rear facing car seat. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Rear-facing car seats are trash can. Take a, take a garden trash can and think about how would this go in my car. That's kind of an approximation of what you're having to deal with. Okay? Oh, it's designed to fit. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> sure. so if you put a rear-facing car seat in a 2 plus 2, what's probably going to happen is that your passenger seat is going to be in its folded-up position most of the time to fit that in the back. Can you do it? Yes, you can. Is it easy? Not really. Now, mm. if it's just you and your child and this is an occasional thing, why not? That's There's no reason not to, yeah. okay? If it's going to be a regular thing and the three of you need to go anywhere, that's going to be hard. But by the time my son was in the back, he was small enough that he fit easily, but he was also big enough that he was out of the rear-facing car seat. And we very quickly, shortly after I got that car, we got out of the car seat in general and got to the booster. We were right on the cusp. So I kind of rushed him into the booster. Sure. I also sure. want to go on a side rant here and say this. From a parental selfishness standpoint... The um, the automotive establishment, the DMV <laughs> of your area, they cannot legally require you to have more than a two-seat car because you are a parent. Mm. They can make recommendations, and I'm not saying the recommendations are wrong. When you have a two-seater, you would like to have an airbag that shuts off on the passenger side because it's the airbag that causes kids problems. Right, right. But they cannot tell you, you are a parent now, you must get rid of your... Miata, your Cayman, your whatever. Of course, they can't tell you that. So, so all of those cars have latch systems on the passenger side. Two plus two is better. You get them in the back seat. I get it. I totally get that. So I want to encourage you to do this. I also want to say, as far as the I am, am I being selfish? We're all selfish in our own ways, Kurt. But I will say that there's there's two major thrusts that happen when you become a parent. Mm. Okay, some parents cease to live their own lives. And every decision that they make mm-hmm. is about what is, what is best, and I'm saying best in quotes, best for the child. And so the cars they want to drive, the vacations they want to take, the life they want to live, all of that ceases because now they're parents. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that exists. The counterpoint is, and the way that my wife and I are trying to live, and again, I'm not saying this is better or worse, but we very much went, okay, let's try to integrate our son into our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to give him everything he needs as best we can, but the world isn't his. Hmm. We don't exist for his purpose. Mm-hmm. So 
if it's a little awkward that I have a car that's not ideal for being a parent, I'm fine driving the yellow Lotus Elise school bus. And you know what? Now he's old enough. He loves it. Sure. And I know my mother-in-law from day one is like, what are you doing? She's been doing that for 20 years anyway. But, she, but she's like, what are you doing? I will never forget when I first got the Lotus and my mother-in-law first saw it. <laughs> my son very excitedly was like, we need to get her in the Lotus. And I said, we absolutely do not. <laughs> we, we absolutely do not need to get her in that car. Because I can guarantee uh-huh. you, I can, I can hear the eye roll from the other room. And I don't care. You know, so so that's the thing, because she is the type of person she raised my wife this way where her world stopped so she could be a mom. Yeah. So the fact that my wife and I live that a little differently is a constant source of, let's just say discussion. Let's just leave it at discussion. (laughs) So you're not being selfish. okay? when we did our 50 years of 9-11 film. Hmm. There was a woman that drove a 997-911. Name was Diane. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Single mom, two kids. I think her daughter at the time was 10. I was going to say. And her son was six or seven. Yeah, yeah. That was her only car. She had a 997-911. That was the school bus. Daughter in the passenger seat, son in the back. She told us many times, I love to garden. I go to Home Depot with my 911. I throw mulch in the front. (laughs) And we looked at her like, you are my new hero. Well, she also told us that when she needs mommy time... Her, that equivalent for her is jumping in the 911 mm-hmm. and taking one particular road near her that she knows it really well and she can hammer up it. Yep. It's yep. not that far, so she can she can get away for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's yep. the equivalent of going into the next room and screaming at the top of your lungs or screaming <laughs> into a pillow. exactly her it's equivalent. It's the automotive equivalent very, of doing that. Yeah, she yeah. just needed to get away. She'd jump in her car, go take this road. I mean, hot. Mm-hmm. Well, now she's got the right car to do it and she'd come back cleansed. She's like, okay, we're good. I'm not angry anymore. Now, the counterpoint, Kurt, I will say this. The reason that minivans and the Model X exist and are so beloved by parents, there are lots of reasons, but the reason that they do mainly is because once you put a kid in a rear-facing child seat in a car that is a shipping crate where the entire door leaves you, <laughs> you're going, this is so easy. Yeah. yeah. It will be a struggle, but I think the struggle's worth it. So that's the counterpoint. Yeah. In this yeah, area, I sure. think shop two plus twos. I think the M2 or GT350 would be great for this job. Both of them have legitimately decent sized back seats. The 86 is tight. In comparison, yeah. yeah. So the M2 or the G- GT350, you would love that as a daily. It's a good manual transmission, worthwhile, fun car with personality and attitude. Absolutely. And then put the child seat in it. Have a great day. I hope that helps, Kurt. Well, I, I suggested the A86 only because I know you had done it with your son. It's very doable. It's very doable. But it's tight. You it even admit it. For sure. Like, okay, the kid's mm-hmm. growing. It's tight. Mm-hmm. You know, your wife has to slide the seat forward now and totally. everybody's, you know, tight in there. So the M2 is probably the smallest I'd go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, either car. When it was my son and I in the 86, I mean, the FRS, we never had a problem. It was mm-hmm. when the three of us needed to go somewhere. It was like, yeah. this is a little small for us now. Right. So you could get by with it. But, I, but I'm, I'm really thinking about that rear-facing child seat and the amount of space that takes up. I think you'd be happier to have something the size of the M2 or the GT350. So now there's the spectrum of sacrifice depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, how much are you willing to take? So, Kurt, let us know. Hopefully that's helpful. And uh, we're coming back. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. If you've got more cars in the garage space, and we suspect you probably do, then you need to protect it with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but also breathe to eliminate condensation. It has four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and it protects your car from UV rays as well. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer, are made entirely in the USA, and come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put, Todd had one on the Lancer, 
and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. I wore one out after nine years of daily use on my Audi Avant, and people always asked how I kept it so nice. Plus, you can defend your interior against kids and dogs and spills and any weekend adventure you might have in the mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. You can have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. And you can get 10% off your custom car cover and any Covercraft product by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com. And it even ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Derek is writing us with a public service announcement. Mm. And that is don't listen to your coworkers. <laughs> now, he's listing it as a blanket statement. We're going to clarify that as uh, he, was, he was recommended what he should be driving with his job. He's in construction, and all his coworkers said, you really need a truck. Uh-huh. And so he yeah. sold a car he loved, which was a manual Mark 7 GTI. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved it. Sold it. Got himself a pickup and then quickly thought, what have I done? Well, the reason he's writing is because his company is going to now provide him with a truck again. Perfect. Perfect. So therefore, he says, I can go back to the realm of fun. Mm -hmm. What do I do? He's given us four virtual garage cars that he's looked at, like an Alfa Romeo Giulia TI and ascending order towards more expensive. He says a new GTI Autobahn. He says there's killer deals going on, maybe a Civic Type R Mm -hmm. and maybe a Genesis G70 3.3. What would we recommend? Is there something missing? He says he is out in Charlotte, North Carolina. He says it snows once, maybe twice a winter, but he's looking to get fun. You know, so where does he draw the line? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, what is he doing? Because now that you have a truck again, that is truly the commute to work truck. It is. And your colleagues won't notice because now you're in a truck and who and cares? It's the do construction truck. It's everything he needs it to be. It's you use can, it like a truck. You can run errands. Yes. You've got, a truck can do it all. Totally. But now... Where you draw the line and you're asking about bang for the buck, well, Mm -hmm. that particular phrase does not necessarily have to mean power. True. Although I point the finger at me because I admit I I need at least 300 horsepower to be satisfied. (laughs) You are picky in that regard. I need that. And I realize (laughs) that- I don't care what the number is. All three of my cars right now are 300 plus horsepower. Okay. The Expedition's 310, the Cayman's 340, and the Maserati's 400. I need power. Well done. Do I? Let me think. Uh, the Phaeton is the most powerful car I own. <laughs> it's, it's 335 horsepower and 5,200 5, pounds. That is <laughs> yeah, the most powerful car I own. The, the, the Cayenne has just under 300 and the Lotus has 190. Well, you just touched yes. on it because the new Miata RF has blown my mind. I know it has. Yeah. So that means bang for the buck mm-hmm. now equates to power to weight. Yes, it does. In my mind, they Good. are now I'm one glad. and the same. I'm so glad to have you come a little bit more to the dark side <laughs> that is where I live. I hear you. Yeah. I don't want to go quite as small as an Elise. The Cayman, I, I think, is the perfect Perfect car. Size. And when I get in the cable, when you and I go to Canyon Drives and we train cars and get the cable, I'm like, this is huge. It's like, gorgeous. It's fun. It's the Cayman's huge. a boat. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. It all depends on your perspective. However, Derek, it's time for you to try new things. So what that means is all those cars you listed are all newer cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is something that has intrigued you in the past but isn't mm. necessarily as expensive as those? Or maybe it's the same price. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you think, well, those just aren't reliable and I couldn't do that. You've got a truck. Yeah. You yeah, have yeah. a truck. I totally It's going to run. It's taken totally care of by agree. the company. Yep. So get the opposite. Here's what I mean. I went looking for the least expensive Lotus Evora, and I found it for $36,499 in North Palm Beach, Florida, Mm. 43,000 miles, oyster interior. Admittedly, it looks a little beat up, but it's got the storm titanium paint, and it's 36 grand. You could get for 36, probably 35 manual transmission. Now, it's not an S, but it is a Toyota engine. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's probably just going to run. Yeah, probably. And this is the car that when people find out, not if, but when people find out that's your car, they'll, they'll be astounded. How? What, what? How did this come to be? Who are you? <laughs> You're suddenly cooler and more interesting, and your personal stock price just went up. And who are you now? Yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. just drove this boring pickup truck. Yeah. No, no. You've got this cool, offbeat car. Who is buying these first-generation Lotus Evoras? What year was that one? 2010. Okay, so it is first-year stuff. Okay, got it. Yeah, Found another white one for 39000 Looks okay. infinitely Love better. It, it. Black interior, so it'll hold the wear a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 
But okay, it's not the S. It's not as powerful. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still in a car that people are going to go, what? Yeah. How much sure. are we paying you? Or <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Are we paying you too much? Is the secondary question. But yeah, because at first I thought you could go Hyundai Veloster in. That's mm-hmm. just usable, yep. fun. But it's it it's too usable. Mm-hmm. It's too useful. It's too mm-hmm. practical. Go something nutty because you've got the truck that's paid for by your company. I so agree. Even Caymans are kind of practical in a way. That's what I love about them mm-hmm. okay. because they're a all great right. road trip car. They're track, all that stuff. But they've got two front, one trunk, one frunk. Mm-hmm. They're kind of practical in a sense. To the to a degree, yeah. Let's go nuts. I like this. Well done. No, I, I really like this. And I wanna, that's why I had hit Evora. I think it's great. I want to touch on some of the stuff you've talked about, and I want to talk about some stuff in the middle. Derek, the big big takeaway I have here, and Paul's already touched on it, you don't need a four-door sedan. Now, everything you've listed for us as the things you're looking at is some variant of a four-door with space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is a carryover of the fact that you had a GTI, which ultimately is in a fantastically usable car, fun, Great amazing choice. amount of space. It's, an all, it's, it's totally. one of the best do-it-alls on the market. Totally. But you're being handed a pickup. So it will <laughs> yeah. do all of the pickup stuff plus create the right perception when you go to the job site. Totally. So yep. if you need utility, you have it. Exactly. So I don't think you even need a four-door because the key thing that you mentioned here is you say, by the way, I'm a 35-year-old bachelor living in Charlotte. No kids, no wife, no dog. Mm-hmm. You, what, what, who are we shopping four doors for? Let's go nuts. Who, what, are we, what are we doing? Yeah. So my thought for you, and I know you, you think the Cayman actually might be too uh, realistic, but I really think here, this is my statement to you, Derek. Go drive a used Cayman and just ponder <laughs> your life choices. The world has ended because just, you just recommended a Cayman and I've recommended a Lotus. I know. But, but, <laughs> but just drive a Cayman and have a real conversation with yourself of, could this work in my life? I'm not saying it's the answer. Could he buy Kurt's Cayman? Kurt's getting rid of his Cayman. (laughs) It's such an interesting... You're still going for pink slips, bravo. I am. But it's such an interesting car that is a very usable two-door dedicated sports car. So drive it and just go, can this work? For the stuff that this won't work for, can't I just take the truck? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think another GTI should be in your future. I think you need a new experience. If you really want to go hatchback, this is where the Veloster N goes. It is sure. the more fun, sure. more hair on fire, manual transmission hatchback. Yeah, yeah. So Veloster in over GTI. Yeah. I really think the Cayman, you should do it as a reference point. I'm not saying the Cayman's the car for you, but I think you need to drive one as a reference point and just go, could two-door, two-seats work? Because if it does, then it opens up to the thing you're saying, Paul, the Evora, the Miata, the 86, the what? just find yeah. now a car in that realm. I think you're thinking too much of a do-it-all car which you don't need anymore exactly exactly. look i like your your two plus two idea i mean i like your your four-door idea i thought of two plus twos you said uh what about a cadillac ats v coupe what about a bmw 335 is these are affordable fun to drive good two-door kind of classy looking cars but a part of me goes you don't even need to be that usable yeah that's where my this is the chance to go nuts that's where I went to because it's all those cars that we look at on bring a trailer and we think, man, if I only had a lump of cash, I could, mm-hmm. I could get that. I could snipe it and come away with this cool car that's been restored or upgraded or refreshed or whatever. And nobody would have that thing. And everybody would ask me, that's what I want for you, Darren. I see it. You, you pull up on this and people are like, now, wait, I thought you were a pickup truck guy. Yeah. Nope. Well, but here's the thing. Think about the world that opens up. You can go drive a Corvette. That's interesting. Why not? Go drive a Corvette. For 35 grand, you know what kind of Corvette you can get? You can probably get a C7 with a Z51 mm-hmm. package. Yeah. You could get a C6 Z06 with 700 horsepower. Whoa. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there, there's there's lots of opportunity here to get... Look, I, obviously, I'm the guy that drives the crazy, crazy Lotus Elise because practicality is irrelevant to me in that car. Mm-hmm. My son loves the fact that it's impractical. My wife likes driving it, too. It's crazy. The three of us will never go anywhere together in that car. Sure, but Neither, you wouldn't own it if that were your only car. Exactly Guaranteed. right. Guaranteed. But this is the thing. You have that flexibility, so embrace it and see what you find. Thank you for writing, guys. Really appreciate your emails. Please write to you. Write to us. <laughs> write, write to you if write, you want. Write to yourself. With, no, no, no. Write no. to yourself a practice email, <laughs> exactly. then send it to us. Why <laughs> exactly. not? Sure. That came out wrong. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or on the website when you're perusing all the stuff that you can come on, you know, the trips you can go on with us and outlets and YouTube and Amazon, all that stuff. Top right corner. 
under the about tab is the contact button that actually syndicates your emails to the same email address. So we get both. So we get two kinds of emails and we see them both. Please write to us your stories, your debates, your topic Tuesdays and your car conclusions. You've got, you've been great with that. We need to do a new car conclusions very soon. Yeah, we do. And uh, we've got to jump to social media questions. I say, jump in. What have you got? Uh, Let's start here with lucky jerk on Instagram. He said, which would we choose great steering feel with an open diff Mm. or poor, barely perceivable steering feel with a limited slip diff. I'm going to go on a side rant here for a second. We, and I'm including myself, we as enthusiasts all have come to this conclusion that if it did not have a limited slip differential, it can't possibly be any good. Mm. Yeah. Now I will say as a guy that likes to drive a sports car in the winter, then it becomes vital. Okay. But for driving fun, it does not become vital. I'll give you two reasons. And one of them answers your question. Lucky jerk. Two cars with no limited slip diff. Early McLaren road cars, <laughs> early McLaren road cars, and my Lotus Elise. Yeah. yeah. My Lotus Elise is exactly what you're talking about. Fantastic steering feel, no limited slip differential. You could get them, but mine does not have one. I would go that way all the time. The problem would be couldn't drive it in the snow. Yeah, that is the issue. All right, over here on Twitter, Akim, yes, our friend Akim is uh, writing from Germany asking me a design question. Do car manufacturers design the good-looking S-Line or M package first, or do they do the unattractive base model first and then add that package on, or do they do it the mm. other way around? Mm. How do they do this? Well, honestly, it's, it's all sketch. Let's, it's, let's it's, draw it ugly and then make it better. <laughs> here's the ugly version. Here's the ugly trim. Wah, wah. Cheap. And then here's the cool, expensive trim that you really want to buy. No, no. They actually go after the sketch concept first. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. So they get the theme in there and they establish the car and then figure out what elements of the car are differentiated through a trim package. Because what is that car? Does it need to have a sport package on it? Does it need to have blacked out trim for, you know, various Mm -hmm. engine types and, you know, models going in there? Yeah, yeah. So ultimately... They designed the cool one first. The designers always designed the cool one with the 28-inch wheels and the, you know, tiny slit of a window. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. the proportions are way off in comparison to the overgrown cars. children version. Exactly. The sketches in a math book version. It's the Hot Wheels yeah. version. That's what they it. all draw it. first. Yeah. And then we slowly bring it back to reality. And then we design, here it is, the ultimate one. But now that we've decided on mm-hmm. this is the car, we've got to divvy it up into the trim levels. And that's when you start working with marketing. Okay, what engines are we offering? What is the platform? Where are we going with this? And then, you know, you're stuck with the, all right, you're getting the base trim level. Show us what that looks like. <laughs> back this off. Uh. Make it less sexy. Uh, J.R. Schultz says he has always enjoyed driving in the snow, but now he's bought winter tires. And he said, now I love it. So his question is, is I his love the revelation. Switch, <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm thrilled that you do. Cool. Is the switch, and that actually directly relates to tomorrow's episode on Motor Trend. Mm-hmm. We just have a discussion about, nothing wrong with it, but SUVs with all seasons, which we all buy, use, in this case, rent. It, it, I mean, it's all that gets rented in Park City in the winter. It's like all rental SUVs on all seasons. Totally. And then we have that next to a dedicated sports car on winter tires on a road that, what was hysterical on the road we shot on is the looks we got rolling up that road in a Miata RF. Yeah. Because everything else yeah. on that road was big, huge trucks. And we went <laughs> trains. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so his question is, I've loved the switch from all seasons to winter tires so much. Would I enjoy the switch from all seasons to summer tires as much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Potentially is my answer. Because it really depends on the kind of driving you do in the summer. If you're just a commute driver... Probably not. Okay. Because okay, in the that. winter, you're driving in a commute. You don't have any traction all okay, of a sudden. Yeah. There's snow on the road. Your commute is now easier and better and more fun with better grip because you have winter tires. It doesn't require you to drive differently to get traction benefits out of it. If you're a person that goes to a back road, I think you'll notice differences in turning. You'll notice differences in total grip. How soon do the tires squeal? What's your confidence level? Typically, I also find that a performance tire breaks away better when it's starting to find the edges of itself. I don't advise finding them, but if you find the edges, typically they break away with much more control than an Mm -hmm, mm all-season. But if you don't drive that way, the jump from all-seasons to summers, you're going to be like, these were expensive. Although, don't you think that getting those summer tires will now encourage that kind of driving? You might discover that, which means you'll have another revelation just like you just had. But if, if you're just driving straight roads commute, I don't know that you'd notice. But, man, all the kind of driving we do, I notice like crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. Question from Shane M. asks, what type of driving experience 
do we want to do next mm. that we haven't done yet? And mm. can we set up another meetup around that? <laughs> Shane right. came to the Porsche experience and he went, what do you guys want to do next? <laughs> Essentially, that's funny. I mean, I want to go 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Let's all go 200 in something. Let's do the Texas mile and let's all do 200 miles an hour. You, you did 176 in that Cayenne GTS when we did pilgrimage <laughs> yeah. with three others of us in gear. And it. it was a very quiet car with a lot of focus. Yeah, I know it was. I did 167. You did 175 or 77 or something like something that. Something like fast. That. that was very fast. That was in a big SUV. In How a big about a sports SUV. car, yeah. a real car with a lot of power in a controlled environment. I don't really want to go do it on the Autobahn. You can really – people do and they make videos about it, but – that's way up there. That's not common. I do. I wouldn't honest. mind seeing that 320 kilometers an hour tick by on the Autobahn. That'd be pretty I, I, cool. That, that's There's a lot of adrenaline. That'd be pretty it. cool. I yeah. agree, but I, I want to go 200. Mm-hmm. I let's, see it. That's let's great. do 200 that's in really something. Good. That's very fun. And I we all check there. that out. We all come away and be like, yep, got it. Now officially done 200. Exactly. Anthony asked a question on Facebook that I am in love with. Okay. And Derek responded, and I, his response was exactly what I thought, too. Oh, I Anthony saw. says, okay, <laughs> have we ever considered making vinyl stickers that align with some of our shirts? Mm-hmm. Which, in general, I would say no. But then you latched onto this. What about an everyday driver, Spectrum of Sacrifice, vinyl? That you could put on the back <laughs> of the car for your hauling car, whatever. Uh, yeah. And then Derek asked exactly what struck me. You know the, the family stickers in the corner? By the way, these <laughs> are rampant in Utah. Utah is the home of big families. I pulled, I I did this once. I took my son to the local aquarium. He's 10. He was like eight or nine at the time. Wanted to go to the local aquarium. We pulled up in my brilliant bright orange FRS, Mm -hmm. the two Mm -hmm. of us. We parked next to a 15 passenger van, also a family at the aquarium. Unbelievable. And they had the 15 people, mom, dad, and, and the slowly, you know, Russian doll style escalation of kids put on the back. And I was like, you've got to be kidding, but good for them. So, what if you have a sticker like that that is the bar graph? And so it's the bar graph and says everyday driver spectrum sacrifice and it's a bar graph, like a line, and you can put a dot on the bar graph where that car qualifies. Mm. So you've got an SUV one and it's way to, way to one side. You've got a sports car and it's way to the other side. That makes me laugh. And <clears throat> Mandy, hey, can we do that? That'd be fun. <laughs> nice. All right. Amir Leroy on Facebook says it's been about 13 years. Uh, don't do that. Since we started the YouTube channel, what is mm. the biggest difference we are proud of in its progress from a production standpoint? Mm. YouTube has morphed and changed. They've changed their algorithm. They've Multiple added times. the bell notifications. They've added features mm-hmm. that were not around when we started, actually. They're probably changing something as we talk right probably. now. Probably. Yes. I mean, we continually joke that when we were on YouTube... The show predates GoPros, DSLRs, mm-hmm. and YouTube was cat videos and family vacation photos. It was. Absolutely it was, yeah. So the difference, what I wouldn't change is the quality you and I do. Mm-hmm. It was just the gear that we used to do it with. We were using Sony SD Handycams mm-hmm. to get the job done, and mm-hmm. that was the best we could do at the time. Yep. But the mindset was still there, and I know there's a lot of videos out there. Some get way more than they deserve. Others don't. Mm -hmm. Others get very, very well-deserved kinds of views. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what you and I have wanted is quality at all Mm -hmm. times. And we've continued that. The difference is where we've shifted our focus is continuing to build the YouTube channel and continuing to push, hey, these are single car reviews and they're used as a shopping tool Mm -hmm. by many people Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. And when we drive a car and we've driven it for YouTube and produced a video, now we're over here on the podcast saying, all right, now we know we've, we've driven those three flavors of SUV and all right, which one applies to the person's debate? Mm-hmm. That makes it you know, a lot more helpful in driving that kind of stuff. But then yeah, yeah. for the enthusiast, where the enthusiast part that always was, was there from the very beginning, that is now very much directed at the TV comparison episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so from, from a you know, change this, change that, it's almost like YouTube has changed, and they've kind of had to over the years. For sure. But our, our you know, desire for quality has not. So yeah. I don't know that yeah. I would change much knowing – what you know, we couldn't do anything about it anyway. Well, there's a, there's a progression that's gone on over the entire course of the show, and I'm very glad of the fact that we have progressed. You and I were talking this week for a different reason. We were talking about the fact that we have kind of naturally diversified with TV show, podcast, mm-hmm. feature films, mm-hmm. the stuff that's streaming, the YouTube stuff, all of the above. It's all different categories, slightly different headspaces. I like that we're able to be diversified and people can find us in different places. I didn't ever expect that when we started, which I'm very right. glad about that. Right. I'm also personally try really hard to balance, and this is a tough balance for me. There's always things on the show I want to improve production quality wise, editorially 
scale. I always want to improve things. But then I have to temper that with stuff has to get done. Mm-hmm. So I hope we are always improving. I hope we're always finding. We, we do this privately two, three times a year. We just kind of sit down and go, what's working? Where do we want to improve? For sure. What are we going to push harder on? What gear might we need to chase? I always hope we're improving the, the tech of it and improving the quality of it because that is something that uh, I'm kind of obsessed with. And I have to back myself off and go, no, no, that's going to go out. In spite of the fact I can fix 15 more things, it's going out. <laughs> off it goes. And that could be YouTube, TV, whatever. But one of the things I'm most proud of, honestly, is five feature films. Yeah. And the three sure. of yeah. those are those retrospectives of a car make, and nobody else has done it. Yeah. That yeah. really surprises me. It shocked me when it happened with 50 years of 9-11. I'm surprised that nobody else has really tackled that. But I think the, the flip side of it is it's difficult. And I'm yeah. glad and proud that we've done it. You know, I think I'll add to that and say what I'm really proud of is our ability to come up with ideas that are really out there. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we did these two car comparisons at this location with these resources? And we think, okay, that's, that's just not possible. We what's, can't afford that. What's funny is the, the beyond then the, we back it off. Yeah, what, beyond the can't possible. afford it, you're right, is when we talk to manufacturers, you'd be, you guys would laugh <laughs> if you know how many times you talk to manufacturers about one of our ideas and we say it and there's this, Silence. Exactly. And then they go, um, I don't know. Well, because it, it's so far beyond anything they thought anybody was going to come up for their car. They're yeah. like, huh. Um, but the flip side of that is like when we went to Chevy mm-hmm. for the, the ZR1 for the end of our Corvette film. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were getting all kinds of requests for the ZR1. And we dropped with, by the way, we're doing this Corvette film, Nito ZR1. They were like, oh, didn't see that coming. Exactly. Uh, let's figure that out on the calendar. So it's very interesting. Yeah, the car comparisons you and I have thought of. So hopefully we're going to manifest that in some more TV quality YouTube episodes mm-hmm. coming out this year that are... Hopefully. We, we've got some very we've big ideas. We've got nothing else to do. And again, um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. What else you got? Uh, Doug said he hit a deer for the first time yesterday. I'm sorry, man. Mm. He thinks his uh, he was not sure if his vehicle's totaled. It's getting an estimate right now, so he's asking hit a deer questions. What's our hit a deer experience? We actually have, we jokingly call it the moose test, which you've heard of on this Miata episode happening tomorrow. Lots of stuff that that relates to that episode. I'm very excited. So he's asking about any stories about it. I will tell you one that happened recently to me. Mm. I was driving really, really early in the morning in the Phaeton through Park City. Okay. Early enough that there's no traffic. There's nothing going on yet. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I had left early in the morning, and I had, I had had to scrape ice off the windshield of the car. And it was there was still some lingering in the far right corner of the windshield. Yeah. It was slowly yeah. melting off, right? I'm going through a populated portion of Park City. In fact, I'm going by the local high school. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not zooming. I'm going by the local high school. And all of a sudden, a small male buck steps right out in the road. And because of the lack of visibility, less than perfect on the far right corner, I saw him really late. And I saw him because my right headlight lit up his shoulder while he looked at me. And it was weird and perfect because when I first saw him appear in the headlight, I turned left and he I watched his head turn. He turned right away from me. It must have been inches. I missed him. Oh my Must gosh. have been inches, but it was weird because I, because I, I mean, my my side windows were clear, and I'm looking ahead, and I've got the lights on, you know, brights and everything. He just stepped out out of nowhere, out of blackness from the high school parking lot. It was the weirdest thing. So that's my closest call I've had. I've had other times. You'll see a lot of times here. Paul lives off a pretty dark road. I do as well. You're driving down that road, and the deer are just on the side of the road. Oh yeah, yeah. Another one I saw this year that made me laugh. I was going through Park City uh, near Main Street right around the time all the bars were closing, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. Delivering something, going out there. Anyway, so I'm out there. I'm driving along. This is the time of night when a lot of people are walking on the sidewalks because the bars are closing. They're walking on the sidewalks. Instead of driving, they're walking home to their condos or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm driving along, and I notice something out of the corner of my eye on my left side of the street. Going down the sidewalk on the left side of the street <laughs> are two deer, nose to tail, oh my gosh. walking perfectly down the sidewalk. I'm like, why are the deer doing the walk of shame? What's going on? Perfectly down the sidewalk. It was awesome. I was like, well, good for you. There was one actually caught on drone in the generations. Well, it wasn't generations. It was the comparison with the Toyota Supra against the BMW M2 competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Cayman. And you can see it from the overhead drone shot. I was driving, and I, I forget which car I was in, but I was moving. And it was two bison by the side of the road because the sun was at that, you know, high noon angle coming right in. 
And so the windshield, you know, had the yeah, yeah, the glare, the glare yeah, yeah, on it for sure. And I thought it was just a giant boulder. And I went by really fast and realized, no, no, that was two bison just hanging out inches off mm-hmm. the white line. And I otherwise, if I had known that, I would have, of course, slowed down and steered around them and all that stuff. But we were on a road where it's open range. Mm-hmm. So that means cattle, horses, sheep, bison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just cruise across the road because it's open range. That reminds me Ooh. of one of the Yikes. many close calls of American Original. Oh, that, film. yeah. There were multiple, yeah. but this is the one that I don't think has been discussed a lot. Fortunately, the cars broke and we didn't hit anything. The uh, the Zio set. Well, I almost did in the in, yeah. in the eighties. Uh, the eighties when your we had close yeah. call. That over. was that was close with deer. Yeah, for sure. But no, but there was this one with Edgar. You remember this? Mm. We were shooting the Zio six piece that also became I had a TV heard about piece. It. I was still coming back behind. I Edgar, never saw this one of our shooters, he hops in the white uh, Z06, brand new C7 Z06. He hops in that. I'm in the C7 uh, Z06 with the 7 liter. I'm sorry, the C- C6 Z06 C6. with the 7 liter. Yeah. And I think Chance was in the C5. Okay. And we're, we're triples. We're running down the road. Okay. And I'm at the back, but I can see Edgar's out front in the white one. And this was fall. If you've seen our uh, Z06s for everyone TV piece, this is when that was shot. It was fall. So everything is brilliant colors. White aspen. Uh, you know, white aspen trunks and orange leaves and green grass and everything's really, really bright. Mm-hmm. Edgar's going along quickly, but not crazy by any means. Yeah. Out of the side of the road, out of the aspen, stepped a black as night mama moose. No. Oh. Mm. And because, again, she's the only black thing. She's like a black hole. She's the only black thing around. How she hid in the Aspen prior, I have no idea. They do and that she just so well. stepped perfectly. And it wasn't like she eased her way in. She was off the road, and now she was in front of Edgar. Bummer. Mama Moose. Oh. oh and I see yeah. his lights. I see her step out. I see his, li- his taillights his fly. Yeah. He buries it. Gets stopped. <laughs> we all kind of take a breath. And right as she's about to clear the road, baby. Ugh. Baby Moose comes up. So Edgar stops again. We just kind of waited. She cleared. We went, and we talked about it later. We were like, "How does something that big and black hide in the middle of like a kaleidoscope of color?" <laughs> she just stepped out, and there she was, and then she left. Oh my gosh! All right, a couple more questions here. First of all, from Josh Schmidt, who asks a great question: Do we think we're going to see the modern American muscle cars like the Mustang, Camaro, and Challenger? adapt all-wheel drive for the high-performance variants. Mm. And Josh is saying they fo- focus so much on a straight-line performance and one of the best aids to quarter-mile time and 0-60 to 60 is all-wheel drive. You're right. That's how cars put the power down. That's, that's the Nissan GTR trick. Yep. We definitely agree. But he says, imagine a Hellcat or a GT500 with all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they pride themselves on being usable GT cars and all-wheel drive would allow people in snowy climates, you know, winter where, the, where there's weather, more security. So, do we think all-wheel drive might come from the use of electric motors, like a hybrid kind of a thing, mm-hmm. to put power down to the front wheels? Maybe this could minimize packaging rather than having a drive shaft or you know, making it overly complex like a Ferrari FF where the drive shaft goes through the center of the oil pan and sure. you know, it's a, actually a two-stage gear system. Sounds like a Ferrari fix. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's too complicated. That could be... But what we've also seen, Josh, with modern American muscle cars, they now actually kind of handle well. Mm. And all-wheel drive would add weight, and it would take away a lot of the feel that modern American muscle has been now discovering, in my opinion. Mm. We've mm. been finding that. We, we get out of the Mustang or whatever and think, well, that was better than I thought. Yeah. yeah you know, especially the GT350. Oh, think, yeah. Great stuff. Well, that was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I didn't see that coming. I thought that was just you know powerful, straight line kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So on one hand, I do see your point about maybe that opens it up for more people. But on the other hand, if you need all-wheel drive for snowy climates, why not just you know get something? We, we've proven that it comes down to the same episode. You can do rear-wheel drive. You can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm back and forth. Okay. I'm, I'm very mixed on this because I don't want the extra weight and complexity in a high horsepower car like that. I just want rear wheel drive. And I love the beauty of engine in the front, throwing power to the back. I, I do love that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do handle despite their weight and size. It's mm-hmm. pretty good actually. Yeah. So I, I, I don't like that kind of thing, but from a Nissan GTR kind of thinking, that could be astounding. It could that be. could be incredible. But we don't love the GTR for its handling. That's, the all, yeah, that's the, where it falls down. That's a fair point. The all-wheel drive demon. 
Yeah. Oh, now with now yikes. with more tire shredding, all I'm, four tires. I'm at back once. and forth. I don't nice. have a straight answer on that. Okay. And then uh, finally, there's been a question over here from Ben Sherman, who continually asks us, Ben, thoughts on the Cadillac CTS V Sport trim, not the V CTS V, but mm-hmm. the V Sport trim, which mm-hmm. is really on the website, just kind of the the Sport trim, and mm-hmm. we don't talk about that much, simply because you know we, we're. Different trim packages are what they are, but I do like the sport package for the blacking out of things, and it it kind of makes it a little bit meaner. The wheels get more aggressive. The car either is lower or appears lower because of the body kit to mm-hmm. the ground. We do like that sport package because it takes the the plushy, bouncy, you know, super luxury <laughs> thing out of it. it. It tightens things up. It makes it, you know, it amg ifies it, there, You there know, you that go. kind of thing. And that's what AMG and M-Sport, they're all doing the same thing. So why not the Cadillac? While you're on AMG, I'll talk about Alvin's question real quick. He says, hang on. Uh, Alvin's question, sorry. Alvin asks, in terms of two-door sports cars, we talk Miatas and S2000s, and occasionally we talk about BMW Zs. Why don't we bring up the Mercedes SLK? AMG or otherwise. Okay, fair. The answer, Alvin, is is genuinely because I feel like if you're going to go small, you want really agile with great feel. That was not where the SLKs were ever really a, a standout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're they're good cruisers. They're nice light cars. They've got you know the air scarf to keep you warm in all conditions. The air scarf. They've got really good you know nice interiors. It's a great place to be, and they feel like a small roadster. But they feel like a small roadster that is more cruiser, even in the AMG flavors, than something like a Miata or an S2000, which has got a lot more focus and agility to it and feel. Mm-hmm. The, the Mercedes mm-hmm. is playing to their market, which isn't necessarily, I'm going to go track this. It's almost like, let's make a miniaturized SL yeah. with that same kind of feel rather yeah, yeah. than a hardcore sports car. Yeah. So that's the reason it doesn't size. come up a lot because if you're chasing a small rear-wheel drive sports car, that feel isn't enough of what the SLK does. Mm-hmm. Fantastic questions as always, guys. Thanks. Really appreciate all your great questions, your great debates. Please send those in. And uh, as always, we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.